Father, we just, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together as a group of believers, that people who, what we should be, Lord, are people who serve one another, people who, who, who come together to, to, to get into your word, to come to you and hear what you would say to us, how you would speak to us this day in our lives, Lord. And, and we just ask for, for your, your spirit to, to direct our study today as we look at this text in Genesis. And, Lord, as we look at the great inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ. And, Lord, that's the inheritance that Jacob's going to pass on to his sons. And that's the inheritance that we need to be passing on to this lost and dying world. And especially as parents and grandparents, we need to be passing this on to our children and grandchildren. And that's what Jacob does today. And, Lord, we want to see just how he does that. And we just ask for your blessing on this study. We ask, we thank you again, Lord, for the opportunity we have. We ask that, Lord, you continue to keep these doors open, that uh, the problems that they're having in California and some of these other places where they're, they're banning church services, Lord, I just ask you to touch these governors' hearts and and uh, give the pastors who are going to disobey that order uh, strength to do what they have to do. Lord, give them the wisdom. Lord, we want to keep that balance between obeying our government and, and obeying you. And, Lord, we just ask that you give us all the wisdom to do that. Father, I pray for our nation. I pray that you are, Lord, we know that you're doing good things in the midst of this virus. I just pray that just some wonderful things happen to this country, Lord, through through this trial that we're going through. I pray all of that in Jesus' name. It's in his precious name that I pray. Amen. <coughs> okay, if you have your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter uh, number 47, and that's where we'll pick up uh, where we left off last time. Over in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22, Solomon has gives us one of those wise uh, sayings that uh, has eternal implications. He says, a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Now, a lot of people who interpret that would say what Solomon meant by that was that he leaves them so much money that uh, he leaves his children so much money that they can't spend it all in their lifetime, and so they have enough to give to their uh, grant to to the person leaving the money's grandchildren. Uh, I don't believe that's what Solomon was talking about. What Solomon was talking about was that a good man uh, gives the very best inheritance to his children. And that inheritance is a relationship with God. Now, he gives them an inheritance in the terms of material wealth, but he gives them the best of his inheritance. And again, that's his faith, his faith in God. And if you pass faith on to your children... And they're going to pass that on to their grandchildren, hopefully. If you pass on faith to your children, then, then, then they're going to be people who give to the Lord. And because they give to the Lord, they're going to be blessed by the Lord. They're going to be people who have a good worth ethic. And so, so they're, going to, they're going to make more money. And they're not going to spend the whole inheritance that you've given them. They're going to be uh, people who deal honestly with other people. They treat other people kindly. Uh, they, they don't waste their money. They save their money. And so even though you give them an inheritance, you give your children an inheritance, they have something left over to give to their grandchildren and uh, to pass that on. And, and that's what we're going to see today 
as we look at this text in Genesis chapter 47 and 48, as Jacob's going to pass down the very best of his inheritance to his children. And he's going to be able to give his uh, children an inheritance that they can pass on to their children. And we're going to see him actually give this inheritance not only to Joseph, but also to, to his grandsons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And, and he's going to give them, in this passage, the very best of his estate, the very best that God has given him, and that's a relationship with God. Now, when we left off last time, uh, if you remember, uh, Pharaoh had given Jacob and his sons formal permission to settle down in the land of Goshen. He had actually given them that land and deeded that land to them. And uh, he also had given them a job. He had put them in charge of his herds. And as the famine progressed, all the Egyptians had to sell their herds off to, to buy food. And they sold them to Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh ended up accumulating all the livestock in all of Egypt. <coughs> and so Joseph's sons uh, were in charge of that. And so they prospered. The famine lasted a couple of more years after they moved down there. And then after that, they really Prospered, And that's where we want to pick up today as we come to chapter number 47. And we, we pick up where we left off last time in verse number 27. Uh, so Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt in the country of Goshen. And they had possessions there and grew and multiplied exceedingly. So the famine ended and uh, their wealth increased more than it had ever. They, they were wealthy men to start with. The famine had kind of... Uh, depleted some of their wealth, but now they're gaining that wealth back. And uh, not only are they multiplying in wealth, they're multiplying in population, and everything's going wonderful for them. And then we get, you know, we come to Jacob's death in verse number 28. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So he was 130 when he went down there. And uh, so the length of Jacob's uh, life was 147 years. And when the time drew near that Israel or Jacob must die, he called his son Joseph and he said to him, Now that I have found favor in your sight, now that I, I know you love me, uh, I know I, I have your, your favor, uh, uh, he says, Please, here's what I want you to do for me. He says, Put your hand under my thigh. Now by putting the hand under the thigh, they, he was making an oath a very personal oath, and, and that's why he put the hand under the thigh. That's the same thing that you remember uh, Abraham asked Eliezer to do when he asked Eliezer to go find a son, I mean a, a wife for Isaac. And so he uh, told him to, to swear by putting his hand on his thigh. And so he asked Joseph to put his hand on his thigh and make this oath. And he says, he says, uh, and deal kindly and truly with me, please do not, here's what he wants him to swear to, please do not bury me in Egypt. I do not want to be buried in Egypt. I want to be buried back in the promised land, in the land of Canaan, the land of my fathers, the land of my inheritance. And we're going to talk about that inheritance here in just a minute. And then in verse number 30, he says, but let me lie with my fathers, Ekmepelah, where Abraham and Isaac were buried. Now, this is a testimony to the fact that Jacob believed in the Abrahamic covenant. And we're going to look at that covenant in just a second. There's, there's several parts of that covenant, actually two main parts of that covenant. One is the part where they 
Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and his descendants were to inherit the land. The other part was that they were to inherit the spiritual blessings that came with that covenant. We inherit the spiritual blessings of the Abrahamic covenant. We don't inherit the blessings of the land, but we inherit the spiritual blessings that come with that covenant. So he says, but let me be with my fathers. You shall carry me out of Egypt until uh, you shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in in their burial place. And he said, uh, Joseph says, I will do as you have said. And then Jacob said, swear to me that you will do it. And Joseph swore to him. So Israel bowed himself on the head of the bed. Now, he doesn't die at this point. Joseph goes back down to, to the capital of Egypt, about 50 miles away. And as he's leaving, Jacob bows his head to pray. We don't know exactly what he prayed, but I imagine it was a prayer of thanksgiving at this point. I mean, remember what he had told Pharaoh. He had said, my years are, are few and evil. And I think now he spent these 17 years with his son, Joseph, and his other sons, and they've prospered, and the famine's over, uh, and he spent some time with his grandsons. I, I, I think at this point, he's got a heart full of thanksgiving to the Lord, and he's really ready to die at this point. He t- said earlier that he was ready to die, but now he's really ready to die, and he's dying with a grateful heart. He's saying to the Lord, Lord, you know, I, 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 my day's... You know, I was wrong when I said my days were few and evil. My days have been good. You've given me a good life on this earth. And so so he's ready to die. And then we come to chapter number 48. And it says, now, it came to pass when he's really about to die now, uh, probably probably maybe a few days, a few weeks later. It says, now, it came to pass after these things that Joseph was told, indeed, your father is sick. At this time, he is going to die. And he took with him... His two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. So Manasseh and Ephraim and, and Joseph uh, uh, go to, to Goshen to see Jacob before he dies. And uh, he, he brings these. You've got to wonder why Manasseh and Ephraim would have gone. I, I, I mean, they knew he was going to die. They knew he was going to pass down the blessings of the inheritance. And so... Uh, they, they, they went for that reason, but not for monetary reasons. Manasseh and Ephraim had everything, I'm sure. Joseph was, you know, the, maybe the second wealthiest man in all of the kingdom. And so, so uh, they, they didn't need a, the latest chariot. They didn't need any of the, the things that, that most of the children or teenagers their age would have wanted. And so, so uh, uh, they, you know, what did they go down there for? They went down there for that blessing, for that. Uh, Joseph, no doubt, had told them about the Abrahamic covenant. He had told them about all the blessings that come with the Abrahamic covenant. And so they went down there to be part. Hopefully, they were going to get some of that blessing. And they are. We're going to see that in just a minute. And Jacob was told, look, your son Joseph is coming to you. And Israel strengthened himself and set up on his bed. Then Jacob said to Joseph, and, and he's, he's going to rehearse how he received the covenant, how he received, became part of the Abrahamic covenant. And so Jacob said to Joseph, and, he, and Ephraim and Manasseh are listening to this, and he says, God Almighty, El Shaddai, appeared to me at Luz. At, at Beth, remember, Jacob would change the name from Luz to Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. Why was it at the house of God? Because God Almighty appeared to him. 
That's why he called it Bethel, because it, it, he saw the Lord, and the Lord appeared to him. And, and uh, when he was running from Esau, he was in a dire straits, and the Lord, by his grace, appeared to him. Uh, he said, he appeared to me uh, at Luz in the land of Canaan, and he blessed me. He blessed him greatly. The first thing he did, he gave him a vision. He gave him a vision of Jacob's ladder. And on that ladder, he saw angels uh, descending and ascending from heaven. And what did that say to Jacob? That said that God is involved in your life. God is, you're in a dire, you're in really tough situation right now, but God is able to help you. And he's going to help you your whole life. I'm, the Lord spoke to him, I'm going to help you your whole life. Uh, these angels are going to minister to you your whole life. You're not going to see them after this. But he gave him that vision of Jacob's ladder and, and, uh, it, 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 and, and blessed him by that vision. And so, so it said, he blessed me. And he said to me, now watch what happens at this point. This is, at this point, he's given his inheritance. He's given the inheritance of the Abrahamic covenant. And he, I mean, Jacob thought he had stolen that inheritance from his father Isaac. But that doesn't come through, man. that covenant doesn't come through man. That covenant comes through God. You can't steal that. That's a gift from God to be part of the Abrahamic covenant. And so God now blesses him and he actually gives him that covenant. He ratifies that that covenant belongs to him, that that covenant is with him. So it says, uh, and he said to me, behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you. I will make you a multitude of people. And I watch this. Now, this is what I want you to see. If you, if you hear this thing called replacement theology, theology, where they tell you that the church has replaced Israel in the Abrahamic covenant, that is not so. Listen to what he says. It, this is not just a spiritual covenant. He says, I will make you a multitude of people, and I will give you this land, and I will give this land to your descendants after you, and this is at what? An everlasting possession. This isn't, this isn't something that ends when the, when, when the church comes. This is an everlasting possession. The land has been given to you, and it has been given to you forever. Now, one of the passages that uh, corresponds with this passage right here, we've looked at it on a couple of occasions, but let's go there for a minute. Go with me over to Psalm chapter 105. Go to the Psalms and go to chapter 105. And listen to what the psalmist said. We don't know who wrote this psalm, but but it speaks of this Abrahamic covenant. It speaks of the part of the Abrahamic covenant that refers to the land as being an eternal gift from God, an eternal possession of the Jews. Look at what it says in verse number five. It says, remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders and his judgments of his mouth. O seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord, our God. His judgments are in in all the earth. Now watch what it says. He remembers his covenant forever. He remembers all his covenants forever. Thank goodness that the Lord is immutable, that he doesn't change. And what he promises always comes true. His promises stand forever. He says, the word which he commanded 
for a thousand generations the covenant which he made with Abraham and the oath and his oath to Isaac. And then he passed that covenant on down to Jacob and confirmed it to Jacob. And that's what we're looking at today. Uh, at Bethel, he confirmed that covenant with Jacob. And so he's now telling, Jacob's now telling Ephraim and Manasseh and Joseph about the confirmation of this covenant. Now, listen to what it says in the next part of this verse. He said he confirmed it to Jacob for a statue to Israel as an, what's it say? An everlasting covenant. The covenant that refers to that land being a possession of the Jews is an everlasting covenant. How long is everlasting? It's everlasting. So God's not going to ever revoke that covenant. Have they been moved out of that land? They weren't even in that land at this point when Jacob is speaking to his sons and he's passing this, he's speaking to Joseph and to his grandsons and he's passing this covenant down to them. He wasn't even in the land, but it still was an everlasting covenant. And so they're going to receive that, inherit that land at some point. Then in verse number 11, he says, saying to you, I will give the land. Now, this isn't a about the spiritual part of the Abrahamic covenant. This is about the land. Saying to you that I will give the land of Canaan as a allotment of your inheritance. And when I, I passed, the Lord passed this down to Jacob when they were few in number, indeed very few, and strangers in that land. When they were down and when, when, when uh, uh, Jacob went to Canaan, they were few in number, and they were strangers in the land. That land didn't belong to them. We're going to see in a few minutes how Abraham had to fight the Amorites to get what land he had with bow and arrow. And so, so uh, they were strangers. It wasn't, it wasn't something that, that they went down there and, and, and they were the only people there. They were strangers in that land. So here we are in Genesis chapter 48, and Jacob is passing this down to Joseph, and from Joseph to his grandsons Manasseh and Ephraim. And from Manasseh and Ephraim and the rest of the sons, it's going to be passed down there to, to their descendants. And then it's going to be passed down later on to, to all the Jews who lived in that land. And, it's, and the Jews who are living there now, that land has been given to them. It is their possession. Now, personally, I believe at some point they're going to be removed again from that land. They're going to be kicked out of that land. But in the millennium, they're going to go back to that land. And in eternity, they're going to live in that land forever. Now, what about the church? Where do we live? We live, hey, in a much better place. We live in the heavenly Jerusalem. We live in the heavenly Zion. That's where we live. But that land, and I got to tell you, I've been there. And there's a lot prettier place. I think Israel's beautiful, don't get me wrong. But it's not the most beautiful place on earth. There are places in, in the United States of America that are a lot more beautiful than the land of Israel. But it's their land, and it's been given to them by God as an eternal possession. So go back now, and, and Jacob now is passing this on to Jacob and Manasseh. And then in verse number 5, and it says, And now your two sons... Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, are mine. In other words, he's had 17 years with his grandsons. And, and he's speaking by the Spirit of God here. But he says, hey, they're going to be 
part of my inheritance. They're going to receive as much as my inheritance as my other 12 sons received. And so he says, he says, and now your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine as Reuben and Simeon are mine. They shall be mine. And they're going to receive a full share of my inheritance. And so, uh, they're going to be partakers in this everlasting covenant pertaining to the land. And he says, then their offspring and your offspring, whom you beget after them, in other words, he's talking about the next generation of Israelites, uh, shall be yours. They will be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. Now, what's he saying right there? He's saying that your descendants after uh, Manasseh and Ephraim will be called by their name. They will be called by Manasseh and Ephraim. And that's exactly what happens because if, if you remember uh, when they go down to, to the, in the Exodus and they go back down to Canaan and they retake that land, two of the tribes that, that inhabit that land are Ephraim and Manasseh. Then later on, there's this split between between the kingdom under Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and then there's the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Well, the southern kingdom is made up of Judah and Benjamin. The northern kingdom is made up of the other ten tribes, including Manasseh and Ephraim. And Ephraim is so large that Israel, the northern kingdom is called Israel, the southern kingdom is called Judah, but the northern kingdom is also referred to as Ephraim and Manasseh because those are the largest two tribes, Ephraim being the largest tribe. And so over and over again in scriptures, you will hear the nation of Israel referred to even by God as the nation of Ephraim. And that's what he's talking about right here. All right, then in verse number seven, he says, and, and I think at this point, what Jacob thinks, he's thinking, you know, I wish, I wish Rachel was here to see me pass down this blessing to you, Joseph, and pass it down to our grandsons. And and, 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 and so he kind of changes tune for a second. He says, but as for me, me when I came from Padan, uh, Rachel died beside me in the land of Canaan on the way, when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath or Bethlehem. And I buried her there on the way to Ephrath, which is called Bethlehem this day. And, and, and so she's not here. And, and that's one of the other reasons jo- Jacob wanted to be buried back in the promised land, because that's where his fathers were buried, and that's where his wife was buried, and, and uh, that's where Leah's going to be buried, his other wife, and so, so he wants to go back, and that's where he wants to be buried. Then, Israel, then at this point, Israel saw his, verse number 8, he saw, his, saw Joseph's sons, and he, his eyes are really dim at this point. This whole scene kind of reminds you of when Isaac was passing the, uh, inheritance down to Jacob when he thought he was passing it down to Esau. But, and the reason he thought it was Esau uh, was that Jacob and Rachel tricked Isaac and uh, his eyes were dim so he really couldn't see. And so now the tables are kind of turned and here's Jacob and his eyes are dim and he can't really see and he could have been tricked at this point. The difference is he's not dealing with somebody like himself. He's not dealing with, with a hill catcher. He's dealing with Joseph, a noble man, and so he can trust Joseph. But at this point, he sees two figures there with Joseph, 
And he says, who are these? Now, I think he knows that it's Ephraim and Manasseh, but he's not sure. And so to be sure before he passes this blessing down, he says, who are these? Now, this isn't like some commentators would say, this isn't the first time that he's seen Manasseh and Ephraim. He's seen them for 17 years. He's watched them grow up for 17 years. He's just asking now he sees two figures and he thinks that's Ephraim and Manasseh. And so he says, who are these? And Joseph said to his father, he says, you know who they are. Uh, these are my sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, whom God has given me in this place. And, and then Jacob said, okay, bring those boys here and, and I'll bless them. And the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see that, that these were the boys. And then Joseph brought them near him and he kissed them. Uh, Jacob kissed them and he embraced them. And then uh, Israel said to Joseph, I had not thought to see your face. I mean, I, I, I thought you were dead when I was living in Canaan. I thought you were I thought I would never see you again. And now God has blessed me so much because uh, God has also not only shown me your face. He's shown me the face of my grandsons and and. Uh, uh, he's let me watch them grow up and, and I'm, I'm a really blessed man. And now I'm going to bless them and I'm going to bless you. So Joseph brought them from it, from beside his knees and he bowed down his face to the earth. Now this is interesting here because here's a picture of Joseph bowing down to Jacob. And if you remember in Jacob's, in Joseph's dream, it was Jacob who bowed down to him. And no doubt, Jacob and Leah and the 12 sons, the, I mean, the, 12, the 11 brothers, they had all bowed down to, to Joseph. And I think Jacob had some point, because Joseph was the king over uh, Egypt, he was like the king over Egypt, uh, they, had, they had bowed down to him, and Jacob had bowed down to him. But at this point, things are reversed. And we have uh, Joseph bowing down to Jacob. And I think in Joseph's mind, that was the right thing to do. I mean, Joseph hadn't bowed to many people since he had become second in command over all of Egypt. But he bows to his father because his father is the great patriarch of Israel. His father is really a much more important man than he is, and he recognizes that. Joseph might be important on earth, but Jacob's important in heaven. Uh, Joseph was important in heaven, too. But, 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 but Jacob has a special importance because he's one of the patriarchs of Israel. So, so Joseph bows down to him. And Joseph took them both, took them both, Ephraim with his right hand, toward Israel's left hand. Now, Ephraim being the younger, he wanted to give the blessing. Joseph wants the blessing to go to Manasseh, who is the older son. And the blessing comes from the right hand because the right hand is symbolic of power. And so Joseph wants the right hand laid on uh, Manasseh and the left hand laid on Ephraim. And so that's what we see happening here. Uh, So Joseph brought them from beside his knees and he bowed down with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim with, with the right hand toward Israel's left hand and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right hand. And he brought them near him. And then Israel... Uh, stretched out his hand, but he, he doesn't, he kind of pulls away from Joseph and he stretches out his right hand and put it on Ephraim's head. And, and Joseph's like, oh no, what are you doing? You can't see. I know you, you put it on the wrong kid's head. Uh, you need to be putting it on Manasseh's head. Uh, 
but he put it on Ephraim's hand, who was the younger. So he's given Ephraim the blessing. And his left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his heads knowingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. Uh, Joseph wanted it to be on Manasseh because the firstborn got the double blessing. And he wanted Manasseh to have the double blessing because he was the oldest. And so Joseph's trying to stop this from happening, but it's, he's not going to stop it because it is the will of God that uh, Ephraim gets the double blessing because the Lord knew the future of Ephraim and he knew the future of Manasseh and he knew that Ephraim would be the greatest tribe. But now before he gives the blessing of the land, the material blessing, he's going to break from this and he's going to pass down the spiritual blessing to Joseph and from Joseph to his sons Manasseh and Ephraim. And watch this blessing here. This is a really rich passage here in these next few verses. Listen to what he says. And he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, The God who has fed me all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. You see the blessing he's given them right now? Listen to what he says. He says, the God before whom all my fathers, uh, Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life to this day, the angel has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. That's the blessing he's passing down to Joseph and the lads. And then he goes on and he says, let my name be named upon them and the name of the father, my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude uh, in the midst of the earth. So here he is, and he's blessing the lads, and he's blessing Joseph. He's blessing them uh, with his greatest inheritance. Uh, he's giving him the very best of his inheritance. What is that? It's a relationship with the Lord. That's what he's passing down to them at this point. Uh, and, and you remember, that Abraham did the same thing. You remember when the Lord came to Abraham in a vision and he said to Abraham, he says, I am your shield. And then he goes on to say, and your exceedingly great reward. I am the greatest thing you're going to inherit on this earth, the greatest thing you're going to inherit ever in your life. And then Abraham passed that blessing down to Isaac, and now and Isaac passed it down to Jacob, and now Jacob is passing it down, passing it down to Joseph uh, and to his grandsons uh, in this passage right here in verse number 15. And over the centuries, they have passed that blessing down to their descendants. And this, this spiritual blessing has been passed down to all the people of faith. And, and uh, what's the inheritance that we all inherit? What's the greatest thing we inherit as being part of the Abrahamic covenant, as being heirs to the Abrahamic covenant? It is a relationship with God uh, in which uh, we become a Adopted by God as sons and daughters of God. Joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That's the blessing that he's passing down to Joseph and his grandsons in this passage. And that's the blessing that's been passed down to us. That's the blessing that we've inherited as being part 
of the Abrahamic covenant. Now, what's the blessing? Let's go back here and look at the blessing. The first part of the blessing is, he says, the God before whom his fathers Abraham and Isaac walked. The first blessing is to walk with God. We have the great privilege as being heirs with Jesus Christ. We have the privilege of walking with God. Don't take that privilege lightly. That's the greatest privilege we could possibly have, to be able to walk with God. I mean, God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. God walked with Abraham. He, Abraham was like a friend to God. He was like a friend to, to Moses. He was like a friend to Isaac and Jacob. Uh, and, and who is that God that walked with Abraham? Who's that God that walked with Isaac? It's none other than the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. And, and he's the God who, who Jacob mentioned earlier in this passage, uh, who, who met him at Bethel, and uh, he, he was fleeing from his brother Esau, and more than anything else, he needed a friend. He needed somebody to walk with, somebody to talk to. And God appeared to him, and he said, I'm going to be with you. When you go to Padam Haram, to your uncle Laban, I'm going to be with you wherever you go. And Jacob spent 20 years in Padam Haram. And then as he was leaving Padam Haram and he was going to go back into the land of Canaan, remember the Lord appeared to him again. And the Lord said, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you down there. I'm going to be with you down there. I'm going to be with you wherever you go. And then remember when Jacob moved down to Egypt 17 years earlier than what we're looking at right now. When he moved down to Egypt, the Lord appeared to him and the Lord said, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you wherever you go. I'm going to be with you and you're going to know I'm with you. You're going to know I'm with you because you're going to see me walking with you in your circumstances. When you're afraid, you're going to see me there with you. When you're distressed, you're going to see me there with you. When you're depressed, you're going to see here, you're going to know I'm there with you to encourage you and to bless you. I was listening to Adrian Rogers on the way home from church Wednesday night, and he said something that I totally agree with. He says, if you are truly born again, you walk with God, and you know you walk with God. You see God in your circumstances. You see God every day in your circumstances. Nobody has to convince you there's a God. God is walking with you all the time. Let me tell you what, if you're truly born again, and you tell me you've never experienced any kind of encounter with God, you've never seen God work in your circumstances in any way, you're, you're not born again. You don't know God, because if you know God, one of the blessings that we have with God in a relationship with God, the thing that we inherit is the fact that God walks with us and talks with us. He's with us wherever we go, and you know that. If you don't know that, I'm, I'm telling you, you're probably living outside the covenant of God. And, 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 and it's real easy to get into that covenant. All you have to do is ask Jesus to come into your heart and give your life to Jesus Christ. But if, but if you, you don't experience God at all in your life, then, then I, I, I would question whether or not you really know the Lord because you're going to experience the Lord. You're going to experience 
his, his goodness. You're going to experience his mercy. You're going to experience his presence. You're going to experience his discipline. Now, some of you are born again and you're walking so much out of God's will, all you ever experience is his discipline. But, but uh, you're, you still experience him. I mean, if, you, if you're in a relationship with God and you're walking outside the will of God and you experience his di- discipline, you're experiencing God just like somebody who's walking in the will of God and experiences his grace and his mercy and all of his goodness. But you're experiencing God. And I would say to you, if you're not experiencing God in your life, you're probably walking outside of the covenant, outside of the Abrahamic covenant, which is a covenant of grace. It's a covenant where we, by faith, receive the blessing of having God as our inheritance, of having God in our life. Well, that's not the only thing that God does for us. Look at what Abraham says next. I mean, what Jacob says next. He says, the God who fed me, fed me. Now, listen, how long did he feed me? All my life long to this very day, he has fed me. He's the God who has fed me. Now, that word fed is really, I think, a poor translation because literally it means everywhere else in the Old Testament or most, almost everywhere else is translated shepherd. He's the God who has shepherded me. He shepherded me. And how long has he shepherded me? He shepherded me all my life long to this very day. If you're in a relationship with the Lord, if you've inherited the blessing of the Abrahamic covenant, God is your shepherd, and you know that he's your shepherd. I'm, Abraham could say right here, he could say, God has led me to green pastures. He has led me beside still waters. He has restored my soul when my soul was down. He has led me into to paths of righteousness. And even when, he, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death right now, the Lord is with me and I know he's with me because he's my shepherd. He gave me, the Lord shepherded me and gave me the power to face my foes. The God uh, used his rod and staff to comfort me. The, the Lord, uh, I knew my whole life that one day I would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Look, you know all those things if the Lord is shepherding you. He's guiding you through your life. He's walking with you through your life. And that's not all. Look at the most important part of this inheritance. Uh, In the beginning of verse number 16, he says, And the angel who has redeemed me from all evil. Who's the angel? The angel of the Lord. None other than the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. That's who Abraham saw. That's who Isaac saw. That's who fed Abraham and Isaac. Uh, that's who uh, led Abraham and Isaac. Uh, that's who walked with Abraham and Isaac. The angel of the Lord, none other than the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. And that's who walks with us. Christ in us, our hope of glory. The Lord is the Spirit. Jesus is the Spirit. And where the Spirit is, there is freedom. There's freedom and there's joy and there's peace and there's love. And there is and all of that comes because the Lord, the angel of the Lord who has redeemed me from all evil. I think Jacob was talking about two types of evil here. He was talking about the evil that comes from without. 
He was talking about the evil that came in him. When Esau came in him, he was talking about the evil that came in him during the famine and the evil that Uncle Laban tried to perpetuate on him, that evil that comes from without. The Lord has protected us from all that. He's redeemed us from that evil. But most importantly, he's redeemed us from the evil that is within. The, the evil of our own sin nature, the evil of our souls. The Lord has redeemed us of that. If you've inherited the Abrahamic blessing, the greatest thing you can possibly inherit, a relationship with God, you have been redeemed from evil. You have been redeemed from evil. And you're blessed. The Hebrew word for redeem that we get right here is the word goel. Have you heard that word before? Over in the book of Ruth, it's translated kinsman redeemer. That's who the Lord is. That's who we inherit when we inherit the Abrahamic blessing. We inherit the kinsman redeemer. Uh, The rabbis define the kinsman redeemer, the word goel, this way. They say a person who, as the nearest relative of another, has the right to restore another to the position he was in before his falling into sin, uh, he's able to, to restore that person. I really, I really struggle. I, I, I really, I'm really struggling today. I, I, this excites me so much. I, I just don't see how this could make you sleepy and tired and disinterested and not here. Man, wake up. Do you not see what's going on outside, outside these doors? Do you not see that this country is imploding around us? And, and we're talking about Jesus being our redeeming us from all evil, and we, we're sleeping at it, or we're not here, we don't care. Man, I want to quit so bad. Everything in me wants to quit and give this up and just take care of me and my family. Everything in me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to get those rants out every once in a while. Today's one of those days. It just seems. I just don't understand. I don't understand the apathy of the church. I don't understand the, the, the lack of interest in, in the things of God. When the, All we have right now are the things of God. The only, only thing we have left worth having are the things of God. Let's finish this thing up and get out of here. Here we go. Verse number 16. And the angel who has redeemed us from all evil, thank God, Jesus, that you redeem me from all evil. Thank God, Jesus, that you redeem me from all the evil that's coming against this church and against this nation right now. Thank God that you're my kinsman redeemer, that you became a man. My kinsman, you emptied yourself of your glory and you became a man to redeem us of evil. Thank God. Bless these lads. 
Lord, bless the people that give a flip about you. Bless your true church, Lord. Bless those that are willing to make some sacrifices for you. Bless those that care about you. Bless those that care about others. Bless those, Lord, bless these lads. Bless your people. And then Jacob says, let my name be named upon them and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And when you think of Israel, you think of Jacob and you think of Abraham and you think of Isaac. And so their name is upon that nation. And, and let them grow into a multitude, which they did. And then he says, he, he prophesies here that, that they grow in the midst of the earth. Where are the Jews right now? Well, there's a few of the Jews that are over in Israel. And, and none of them were over, not many of them were over there. Thousands were over there before 1949. Now there's a few million over there. But most of the Jews are scattered throughout the earth. That's where they're at. And, and uh, let them grow. Let them grow into a nation while they're here in Egypt and they're scattered away from the homeland and then they go back into the homeland. They're kicked out of the homeland. And then as they are scattered throughout the world after the uh, diaspora and, and uh, when Rome destroyed Jerusalem in 70 A.D., let them go throughout the earth and let them become a multitude throughout the earth. And they have and now they're coming back into that land and one day they're all, they'll all be back in that land. Then he goes on, he says, Now, when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him, and so he took hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's hand to Manasseh's head, the oldest, Manasseh. And Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for, for Manasseh is the, is, the, is the firstborn. He deserves the double inheritance. Put your hand on his head. But his father refused to do so because he was acting by the Spirit of God. And he said, I know, my son, what, what you're talking about. I understand why you want me to put my head on, hand on Manasseh's head. I know he's the oldest. Also, he shall become a people, a great people. He shall become great. But truly, his younger brother Ephraim shall be greater than he, which is exactly what happened. And his descendant shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you, Israel will by you, Israel will bless, saying, May God make you as prosperous as Ephraim and Manasseh. And he set Ephraim before Manasseh, and then uh, Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am dying, but God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. I'm dying. And, hey, right now, this inheritance doesn't seem to be such a great thing. Because we're not in the land. You're not going to get the land right now. And, 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 and so what I'm passing down, I mean, Manasseh and Ephraim had it made. They were sons of the, one of the greatest men on earth at that time. Maybe the greatest man on earth. And, and so, you know, what did all of this mean to them? He says, I'm dying. And, hey, here we are. We're in Egypt. And this doesn't mean anything, but one day it is going to mean a lot. He says, God will be with you and bring you back one day to the land of your fathers. He's going to bring this nation back up. He's going to bring your, your bones back up, Joseph. And you're going to live in this nation of uh, Israel. And it's going to be an eternal possession for the Israelites. More uh, given to you, one 
portion above your brothers. So actually, Joseph gets the firstborn inheritance. He gets two portions of the inheritance because it goes to his two, Joseph's two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Uh, that would make 13 portions, but remember, Levi didn't get a portion of the land. The Levites didn't get a portion of the land, so there are 12 portions. Wherever I have given to you one portion above your brothers, which I took from the hand of the Amorite with the sword and my bow. He had to fight for that land that he got. We don't get any information on that. I kind of wish we did. We got some kind of narrative on that, but we don't. So he passes his inheritance down to his son, Joseph and to his grandsons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and what an inheritance it is. So what? So what? What's that mean to us? I mean, I got to tell you what, it means everything. Because not only was that inheritance passed down to the physical descendants of Jacob, it was passed down to the spiritual descendants of of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the best part of that inheritance, the grandest part of that inheritance, whether it means anything to you or not, the grandest part of that inheritance is a relationship with God. I tell you what, we as Americans, we're chasing everything else but a relationship with God. And we've been given the very best of the Abrahamic covenant. We've been given an inheritance with God. We're able to walk with God. We are shepherded by God if we're in in, uh, relationship with God. And we've been redeemed by God. We've been redeemed from the evil without and the evil within. And we've been redeemed forever. It is an everlasting covenant, and it comes by faith, faith in Jesus Christ. But with these great blessings, I'm going to tell you something, comes great responsibility, great responsibility. Because when we become part of this covenant, when we become part of this Abrahamic blessing, when we inherit the blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we become ambassadors For Jesus Christ. And it's our responsibility to to pass this inheritance down to as many possible people as we can pass it down to. And most importantly, let me put it this way. Our primary responsibility is to pass it down to our children and to our grandchildren. And how do we pass it down? How do we pass it down? Let me tell you what. It's our most important task. If you're a parent here or you're a grandparent here, the most important thing you have to do in life is to pass this inheritance down to your children. That's the most important thing you have to do in life. How do you pass it down? Let me tell you what. First of all, through the Word of God, through this Bible, through devotionals, however you've got to do it, you've, you've got to inoculate your kid don't worry about the coronavirus and getting a vaccine for the coronavirus. You better get a vaccine for, what, for, for worldliness. Because this world wants and the devil wants to destroy your children. You just look at what's going on in our world today. And this world is seeking to destroy everything that's good. 
And if you don't inoculate your children in truth, and his word is truth, you're going to lose your children to this world. They might be the most successful people to ever walk this earth, but you're going to lose your children to this world if that's not your main goal, to inoculate your children in the word of God so that they can uh, face the world that they're going to have to face. And let me tell you the second thing. It's your witness. It is your witness. You can't inoculate your kids to this world when you're living like the world. When you don't give a flip, they're not going to give a flip. When you're doing evil things, they're going to do evil things. So it's your witness. And, 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 and the third thing, and, 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 I, and I, I just don't see this as even being an issue for a believer, but we have to let our children know that our relationship with the Lord is real. I mean, to me, that's just a byproduct of being a Christian. But if you think somehow that, that your kids are going to learn about the Lord in Sunday school or in church, they're going to learn something about him, but they're not going to learn about him the way they can learn about him when they see your witness and they see your relationship with the Lord and they see that it's real, that you're walking with God, that God is feeding you, that he's your shepherd, that he's your kinsman redeemer, that he's redeemed you. It's real if it's real. If it's not real, it's not real. And you're a fraud. But y'all are not frauds. So don't act like a fraud. Get serious about your relationship with the Lord. And then I, I think maybe the most important thing, or one of the most important things, of course, is to pray. Pray for your children. Pray that they receive the blessings of God. When do you pass this relationship down? When do you pass this blessing down? Not on your deathbed. If you wait for your deathbed, it's too late. You better grab those kids while they're babies. And you better pass this down to them while they're babies or you're going to lose them. I can tell you that right now. I mean, God in his mercy might save them at some point And, you, you know, you might see some miraculous conversion like I had when I got saved. But more than likely, you're going to lose your children to this world if you wait to your deathbed to try to preach the gospel to them. It's going to be too late. You know... My vision of heaven, the, my vision of heaven, first of all, is to see Christ in all his glory. But second of all, my vision of heaven is to see myself and my children and my grandchildren walking with me in glory. To see all of y'all walking with me in glory. That's my vision, that's my hope. And that's my duty to do as much as I can to win people to the Lord, to lead them to the great inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. I thank you so much for, for your word. I, Lord, I, I just pray that all of us are,
touch with the seriousness of the times in which we live and Lord the responsibility that we have to to have a real relationship with you a relationship that people can see not a cardboard relationship Lord we don't want to be like cardboard spectators we want to be real people in a real relationship with you Lord that should be our priority that's our inheritance. You're our inheritance. Help us to live like you're our inheritance, Lord. We can only do that by the power of your Holy Spirit. We can't generate that kind of action, Lord. We can only do that as you give us the power to live like that. Lord, I just ask that you bless us today with your presence and you bless us for the rest of your life, or for the rest of our life, with your presence a real sense of your presence, especially in these dark times in which we live, Lord. We ask that in Christ's name. Amen.